What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hill Varsity Club is opening in Omaha this May and is hiring for all hospitality positions. Do you love elevated food, exciting events, and having fun at work? Join our team by applying today at HillVarsityClub.com. Hill Varsity Club will feature a next-level mix of classic sports bar favorites and contemporary creations with indoor and outdoor seating and memorable live events like live music and sports watch parties. We can't wait to grab a burger and a beer at HVC this May. Apply for all front or back-of-house positions now at HailVarsityClub.com. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, where food and fitness come to hang out. Nutrition, training, and life. It's all fair game on Meathead Test Kitchen. Talking with Meredith Root and Alex Parker from Tactic Nutrition, and we are covering it all. We're macro myth busting today, talking about what a macro is, how much protein you should be getting, how many times a day you should be pooping. (laughs) And let's talk about the scale, because people always ask about the scale, I feel that the scale should be used just to gather information. Data. Just data. You shouldn't let it dictate anything else, but I feel like that's hard to convince people of because I know it was hard to convince myself of that. When people come to you and they're struggling with the scale, like what do you what do you tell them when they're like feeling really just awful? Um, if it's someone who's got like we we try to put people on a bit of a schedule. So instead of like weighing yourself daily, maybe weigh yourself once or twice a week. Um, if it's someone who's got real issues with the scale and like, um, a lot of times these folks don't actually need to lose a lot of weight. It's like if they're, um, kind of going through a recomposition, so they're training Mm -hmm. hard, um, they're eating appropriately for that training. And so they're putting on an, like in our opinion, an expected amount of muscle mass, or maybe even an amount that just means that the scale isn't going to be going down for them anymore. Mm -hmm. That's a hard concept for a lot of people to wrap their heads around, especially women. Um, So sometimes I just have people put the scale away and focus on, um, you know, doing progress pictures or, you know, other metrics for progress, uh, like physical progress and kind of detaching a little bit from, the scale, which is really just, uh, you know, a daily measurement of your relationship with gravity. There's so many things that <laughs> yeah. affect that, yeah. um, you know, salt content, water, you know, did you have a good poo? If not, like you're going to be a little heavy. Yeah. Always um, way after that morning poop, by the way, if you need to scale. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's kind of, it depends. And then there are some people who do really well with like daily weight measurements and are just, mm-hmm. they can use it as data. So it's kind of like, honestly, it's just figuring out, you know, where people at with people are at with the scale and how valuable it actually is. If it's not really that valuable, then it's usually beneficial to move them, you know, away from it and towards other metrics for progress. Um, you know, for people who are obese and, you know, weight loss is important. It's, you know, it's a really good number for us to have. So we just have to be sensitive in how we get it, how often we get it. And, um, you know, make sure that we're not causing any, you know, issues long-term 
with someone in mm-hmm. the, you know, their relationship with the scale. Right. Well, and then that kind of goes hand in hand too, I think, like the scale. And then what are some of the most effective ways that you guys have found to help people change that their mindset in general about food? Because I feel like some people demonize food when it's something that's essential to life. That's a tough question. I think they come, uh, people come to us like wanting to change. Mm -hmm. So whether it's they want to uh, mostly underlying any sort of goals, most goals is establishing a better relationship with food. So whether Mm -hmm. it's performance, you see a lot of people not wanting to eat more food to fuel performance because they're afraid of weight gain or Mm -hmm. changing body composition. So they're kind of like eating under eating. Mm-hmm. Then you have people who are weight loss and usually they also have um, some problems with food. They're like eating emotional eaters or they don't have a, a good base, like an education. I think it, it kind of comes down to just getting people on a plan. Mm-hmm. And usually like, again, we use macros, but sometimes we'll have people maybe not track every day or we'll start some people with like, all right, you're just going to eat three well-rounded meals per day. So it's like Mm -hmm. very basic. We don't even start them on macros right away, depending on where they're at and just kind of building the confidence that like nothing bad happens when you eat food, Mm -hmm. like nothing, like you're not going to gain weight. And whether that means like weighing yourself or like taking regular progress photos or telling somebody like, Hey, it's okay. Like let's you, let's get you eating a little bit more food tomorrow. Like try to get that carb number up a little bit, or, you know, did you have carbs in every meal? So I think it's just like teaching people it's okay. And they have to kind of experience that for themselves. Yeah, for sure. Like I know for personally, for me, I was one of those people. Like I just thought I had to, I could only eat 1200 calories a day because if I ate any more than that, then I was going to gain a ton of weight and I was super terrified of it. But then when I started eating more, like gradually adding more calories in, I felt stronger. I felt better, like inside like joints everything like I just physically felt better and I think that that was like the turning point when I when the the shift happened like yeah I was you like, put the pieces together you yeah, now realize like, that the oh my food god and the, I the need training this. go together yes, yes exactly I think it's just I, a really hard thing to kind of grasp grasp sometimes yeah I think f- for us we focus a lot on and this isn't just for our clients, this is for mm-hmm. ourselves as well. And kind of what you were saying, um, when you start to eat more or like eat less, depending on mm-hmm. who you are, just eat the pr- appropriate amount. You start noticing things beyond like your body weight. So mm-hmm. you feel better. You're sleeping better. Maybe your sex drive is up. You're happier. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think once people start feeling that, it's like, oh my gosh, like this is life changing. Like it, yeah. it is like when you don't feel horrible all day long, um, that alone just helps like is motivation to kind of keep trying something different and um, keep eating more or the right amount or different foods, whatever it may be. Absolutely. The pieces will click. I mean, it'll click. You just need to give yourself time to make them work. And everybody's Tetris is different. I call it Tetris because we all get a box of pieces and it's like, okay, make a rectangle out of this. You guys can all do it how you want, but figure it out. Right. Yeah. (laughs) When it comes to losing body fat, it's a super, 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 it's like one of the most annoying things I think I've ever done. Yeah. (laughs) Ever. Uh, How do you help your clients keep moving forward when they're feeling frustrated or just stuck? Um, I think there needs just to be a lot of reassurance Mm -hmm. and you can explain like all day long how like body fat works and how the scale works and how 
um, water weight works. Uh, you can tell them about studies done or how long things take, but I don't like fat loss and like your body and food is very emotional. And so sometimes people can't really think logically about it. So I think just like telling them, like you need to make, uh, the process, the goal and the process for weight loss is just like focusing on, you know, getting your exercise in and eating healthy foods in the right amount. So basically hitting your macros just day mm -hmm. by day. Don't think long-term, just think day by day. And if you're not perfect, that's fine also, because like you don't need to be perfect to make progress. Like even small progress is progress. Um, but yeah, weight loss takes a really long time and it's actually very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, you are going to be probably a little bit hungry. And I think we're also trained in our society to want instantaneous results, instant mm. gratification, yep. which just isn't possible with weight loss. Unless you're, you start keto and you lose eight pounds in a week because it's all water weight. Exactly. But if you're doing it the right way, a sustainable way, um, it shouldn't be extremely difficult where you feel like you're restricting for a very long period of time. Mm -hmm. Cause that's simply not sustainable or healthy, but just constantly reassuring them that they're doing a job. Like we contact our clients like every second day and it's just like, yeah, you're doing a great job. Like keep going. Also telling them like if their Friday win didn't change from the previous Friday, it's okay. Like that, you know, weight loss isn't going to be linear. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think the main thing is just reassurance um, and keeping them accountable. Yeah. And when you say weight loss isn't linear, I was actually just going to ask you about that. That is, a, I feel for me personally, that was a really important concept to learn because after I lost 30 pounds of fat, I started putting on muscle and then I had a whole different host of quote unquote problems when it mm -hmm. came to that because my clothes fit differently and I was putting on weight again and that was fucking with my head. Like that yeah. is a very, very, I feel like that's one of the core things that we like we try to drive home personally is yeah. that. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take time. It's going to be frustrating. Consistency. Yeah. And mm -hmm. accountability. Like those are the two hardest parts of it all, I think, because like, yeah, you might have an idea and a plan put forth, but because of how things are and how like we've been taught like instantaneous, I want what I want when I want it. Mm -hmm. The second you don't see some like that have the instant gratification of it. I think a lot of people get frustrated and fall off because they're like, well, this is useless. I'm not like. But it's only useless because you didn't give yourself time. Right. Uh, talking to Meredith Root and Alex Parker from Tactic Nutrition, and we are covering all things macro today. Macro myth busting, and I need to get some love for our veggie friends. When it comes to plant-based eaters, what challenges do they need to consider when they're trying to eat to fuel performance? So, um, like plant-based, I actually really like plant-based eating. Um I said she was going to try it. <laughs> I think I'm going to, I don't know when I'm going to do that, but I want to try it. Um, which is ironic. Cause I wrote a piece on, I don't know if you've seen the game changers documentary, but yes. it's like mm -hmm. the most horrid documentary I think that's ever been made Just basically because they <laughs> take a bunch of studies way out of context. But, yeah. um, the main thing for plant-based eaters is going to be like protein becomes a little bit hard to get. Um, so you can, kind of assume that the protein you're getting from plants is not a super complete amino acid profile when you compare it to protein that you're getting from, um, from animals or dairy. So we typically actually like, not only is it difficult because like you have to eat more plants, but we actually ha usually have our plant-based eaters eat more protein. So, you know, if we had, um, you know, an omnivore set at 180 grams of protein, we would set, you know, an equivalently, equivalently sized plant-based eater somewhere between 200 and 210 grams for 
okay. um, of protein. And that's just kind of to get, you know, higher intake, knowing that the amino acid profile is not going to be as optimal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the, the biggest um, struggle. The other thing that we kind of have to keep an eye on again is that fiber. So someone's eating a lot of beans, a lot of plants, like if their fiber is way, way up, um, we actually have to try to get that number to come down. So eating lower, um, fiber foods, like, like soy products is typically a, a good way to do that. Um, and then just like some weird vitamins and minerals. So, um, vitamin B, like we kind of know everybody's a little bit deficient in vitamin B or most people are, Mm -hmm. Um, but plant-based eaters are going to be more deficient in vitamin B and, um, some things that you get in meat, like carnitine, you're not really going to get a lot of that in, um, plants. So, um, those are kind of the two big ones. And usually like if I can get someone to get their blood work done before they switch to plant-based or just like periodic blood work, that's a super good idea just to make sure there's nothing off from, um, you know, from a hormonal or mm-hmm. specifically like a vitamins standpoint. That happened to me, actually. I went plant-based and I don't make enough iron, so I couldn't be plant-based mm. anymore. Even yeah, with supplements. iron's a, a big one. If you, um, and we see that sometimes with people who are like pescatarian too. Um, if you're, if you cut out red meat and um, like pork and poultry, your iron is just, it's going to kind of go way down. And if you're like, if you're already kind of on the low into the spectrum that can be a bit problematic. Like in this, and this next question kind of goes back to what we were talking about, like relationship with food wise, but you we see this like a ton, like our cheat days bullshit and why? <laughs> um, yeah. Cheat days. Like we don't really like to use the word cheat mm-hmm. because again, like it kind of reinforces that you're cheating on something, which is bad, but like in nutrition, there shouldn't be any bad or good behavior or foods, everything should be allowed in your like diet. I mean, mm-hmm. diet is really, it doesn't mean you're losing weight. When I say diet, it just means like what you eat. Yeah. It's your like, everybody has a diet. So, um, we obviously advocate for higher food quality, but it's also important to include foods that you really enjoy. Like for me, I love eating M and M. So I probably, I have them every single day mm-hmm. and it's the same thing for somebody else who I'm coaching. Like I don't expect logs with just like all whole foods, fruits and vegetables. Like if they want ice cream, have ice cream, just like make it work in your macros. Yep. Um, or, you know, some people go over and it's like, they made the decision to do that and that's totally fine. But like cheat days, um, the way that I think of it kind of are people who wait until like, like Saturday or Sunday, whenever their cheat day is, or they just decide to take one and it's like, they just go completely off the rails. Mm-hmm. Um, because they haven't been able to eat that food for the last six days or two weeks or a month or whatever it is. I just don't think that that really establishes a good relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Like you're eating because this is your only opportunity to eat and you just gorge yourself. Like, I don't know, I'm not saying everyone yeah. gorges themselves, but like that kind of is. It leaves the a door open for you to day. do it more. I feel like right. it, it gives you more license to be like, ah, like, fuck it. It's I Sunday. Had... It's cheat day. I'm going to eat a whole pizza. No. Yeah. Yeah. So and a large a one pizza? like that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need a whole pizza. <laughs> you should be able to have like two slices and be like satisfied. But if you're denying yourself of something, for me personally, I automatically am just going to go overboard. The next I mean, time I yeah. can, if I was doing that, you know. But when it comes to pizza, for me, any pizza is going to wreck me because dairy. So yeah. I'm yeah. just like, yeah, whatever. YOLO, pizza. 
Do you, when it comes to diet and exercise, when you don't have an accountability partner, that can be really, really hard. Do you have words of wisdom for those people who might be lacking support at home when it comes to changing their lifestyle? Um, yeah, for people who are, who are like that, um, and need to be held accountable. And like, we know that those people are out there who just, they need external goals and like external motivators to hold them accountable. Or they have people working against them or Mm -hmm. things in their environment. You never know. Um, one of the best things you can do is just structure your, your environment and your day in a way that allows that. So, you know, I have a couple of people who, um, they struggle with that and more from a, like a scheduling standpoint, like if they don't make time to exercise and be healthy, they won't do it. So, um, you know, for, for a couple of them, it means that the first thing they do in the morning is exercise. So like morning exercise isn't, isn't optimal when you compare it to, like afternoon, but it's better than getting to the afternoon and deciding not to work out because, you know, something Mm -hmm. comes up or you're tired or, um, you feel obligated to your family or friends or whatever. So simply just, um, you know, building a schedule that allows for that. And then, um, you know, don't bite off more, more than you can chew. So a lot of people, when they're trying to start the, or get into the habit of exercising, they, go from, you know, the couch to working out five days a week. We're mm-hmm. trying to work out five days a week. And that might, that might last like three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then they are back to exercising zero. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, it's really hard to, to go into something like that. So a better way, a better approach, if you're looking to build that habit is to, you know, maybe start with, uh, one day a week or two days a week, or if you want to go into the gym five days a week, don't go in for an hour, or 90 minutes, just like literally go in, like walk into the gym and like do one thing and then leave and Mm -hmm. just build the habit of being there instead of, um, you know, torching yourself for three weeks and then losing all motivation to continue doing it. Yeah. Yeah, It's like getting out for a walk for five minutes. It's the hardest part with especially fitness and like getting a routine and changing habits or implementing new habits is starting. So like everyone knows once you get started in a workout, it becomes a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So sometimes for the first two weeks, you just practice like starting a workout, whether it's like two minutes or five minutes. um, And then you can build on that. So then it's like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden you're easily working out five days a week for an hour. Yeah, exactly. It's It's crazy how fast these little changes add up really when you actually pay attention to making them execute properly. Yeah. That is what isn't being shared with people. Mm -hmm. When it comes to fitness and health, just in general, I feel like in America, especially. Well, and something that was mentioned too, is like just starting a workout. When I first started like stuff, I'm a chronic day one person. (laughs) I'm doing day one again. Yes. But for me, like that, that really did work for me. It was just physically, like, I didn't feel like it. So I just got up and did it anyway. Mm -hmm. Like I just started and then eventually it get the time gets longer and it gets easier because then at that point, it's just a habit and that's what you do. And five pound bicep curls aren't sexy when you're at the gym. I know, but you need to start somewhere. The little weights are there for a reason and you need to use them so that you can learn proper form and build up your base of strength. Like nothing about starting fitness is exciting or sexy. I feel like at all, like it's cool to throw 135 pounds over (laughs) your head in a snatch, but how do you get there? You have to start by doing your bitch work. Exactly. I was going to say they, um, I, I heard somewhere and Meredith, you might know who, who said this, but it was like things that successful people do. And it was, they never miss twice. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if you miss a workout on Wednesday, the key is to get back into it Thursday. Yep. Cause if you miss twice, then you miss three times, four times, five times. And now you, you have become a person who misses. Yeah. Yep. Just never miss twice. That's like, um, like that's, that's so perfect. I think. I think that needs to be like, it's hard at first, I think, because it's very like, it's anti your identity. Like if you're going couch Mm -hmm. to the gym, your identity is a couch potato and that's fine, but it just means that going to the gym is going to be kind of weird. So if you, if you start small and you are doing the, like the little baby weights and doing your bitch work, um, do that for long enough. And eventually you just like your identity, you, you become someone who's, who goes to the gym. Mm-hmm. Like yep. you identify as a gym goer instead of a couch potato. And once you can kind of shift your, like how you identify and how you see yourself, then it becomes easier to not miss. I still live by that. Like, okay, if I want to take an extra rest day in the week, that's fine. As long as I go back the next day, yeah. I don't ever yeah. miss two days in a row. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's just a habit. It's a forming that habit. Thank you again to Alex Parker and Meredith Root from Tactic Nutrition for joining us for more macro myth busting. You can expect that to happen again in the future. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully you learned some things because I know I did. You can find Meredith and Alex online at tacticmethod.com and at the Afternoon Snack Podcast. Join us next week when we talk about going cold turkey. Don't do it. And why you shouldn't. MTK out. Out. Join Sadie and Sasha every Monday, helping to make your fitness and nutrition journey suck less. MTK.